Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Okay, welcome to The How of Business with David and Henry. Henry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. How's the rain in Dallas? A little bit of a break, but still continuing to be forecasted. Our lakes are full. Um, and there's water everywhere. So it's been a very wet spring in Dallas. Yeah, we've had the same problem in Colorado Springs. We've got nine inches of rain in one month in Colorado Springs, where the average is about 0.4 inches. That's crazy. So we uh, we need a break. Both our businesses up here are somewhat weather dependent. So Yeah, they uh, are. So that's, that's always a challenge. <laughs> when you're a small business owner and you have a business that's affected by weather, you look at weather very differently, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you look at it all the time. It becomes part of it becomes a hobby in many cases. <laughs> That's right. So today's topic is an interesting topic. We're going to talk about marketing. It's probably the topic that you and I talk about most often and come up with the least amount of good answers for. It's a challenging one, and I, I have to believe certainly as we speak to other small business owners that this is a common one. This topic of marketing. Where, where do you start? Where do you spend the money? Where uh, where do you get help? Uh, what works? What doesn't? And it's so different, obviously, for the type of business you might be in. Uh, every business is slightly different. But we're going to try to start taking a stab at this topic. This will be a topic we talk about over multiple podcasts. We are planning to interview folks that are experts in this field to add to the discussion. We wanted to just get started. Not uh, This isn't about the basics of marketing. We're going to assume the listeners for this podcast know the basics of marketing, although we might want to do a podcast on that in the future. So this is really more for you're an existing small business owner and you're challenged with this subject of where do I start? Where do I spend the money? Should I, do, I, do I need a plan? What's the benefits of having a plan? What works? What does it? So that's what I want to chat about here for the next half hour or so. Sure. And let's contrast real quickly. This is a topic we're talking about for small business. How would you contrast the opportunities larger businesses have for marketing versus small businesses like us? Oh, boy. Well, I, I think it's got to be about budget. I think we typically, as small business owners, have tight budgets. We 
tend to look at this as an expense instead of really we should be looking at it as an investment. But the bottom line is we, we've got cash flow challenges. We have tight budgets. We have tight margins in a lot of our businesses. And so we don't we don't have access to that. We don't have that leverage that larger organizations have. So if you're a $50 million business, for example, you say, okay, I'm going to budget 3% of my my income mm-hmm. to marketing. Well, that's a $6 million yeah. budget. Yeah, you're, you're going to be able to do uh, a lot with that, right? Uh, the, versus if you're a million dollar company and you're going to budget 10% of your budget, which is pretty high, yes. that's still a very small number. That's right. That's right. So that's what we're challenged with is with the number that we have, the budget that we have that makes sense, where do we best spend that money? As small business owners, we don't have a lot of opportunity to go and test something and you know, spend $10,000 on something and see if it works. We, we need results. And so that's a big challenge for us as well. Right, right. So if you're a small business owner, where would you start thinking about the subject? What are Obviously, marketing, advertising has changed quite a bit in the last five years. But how would you get a small business owner to even start thinking about the subject? Well, my approach, and and this is where you and I are going to have a discussion because we have slightly different views on it, perhaps, is I think you have to start with a plan. Um, You know that I'm big on planning sometimes to excess. But I think you have to have a plan. I, I think that plan needs to at least uh, I'm not talking I'm not talking about a very formal plan it can be very simple it can be a one page thing but but here's one of the key things I want to start talking about that this plan must have you have got to have a good definition of who your target market is and what your value proposition is for that target market so I think you have to start there okay so what are some examples of that what would you encourage listeners to start thinking about as they create this marketing plan as far as target market and well in some businesses it's it's more obvious for example in the business i just sold last year i had a very easily definable target market it was health and beauty professionals who were ready to be on their own and wanted to lease a space to run their independent business so i knew that target was very clearly these are people who were licensed cosmetologists or massage therapists Uh, They tended to be predominantly female, and so I knew who that target was, and I had developed over time methods to reach them. I knew what they were looking for very specifically. That's a very targeted customer that I knew, but that doesn't mean that it didn't require over time continuing to learn what appealed to them because that changed. Over the six years that I owned that particular business, what appealed to that target customer Six years, six years ago changed very much in part due to competition in my space as to mm-hmm. what they were looking for six years later. In our frozen yogurt business, is a little harder because you we could easily find ourselves trying to appeal to everyone, and instead we've identified our target as being moms and families. So that's an example of where it takes a bit more work and saying that's our focus instead of trying to be everything to everybody. Okay, so let me ask you, how did you or how did we come to the conclusion that uh, our target market for our yogurt shops were moms and family? What What's the process we went through to try to get to that point? I think the way that I went about it, uh, we went about it, is by observing existing shops. We did a lot of analysis of other markets, namely the Dallas market where I live in. Our, our yogurt shops, for those who are listening, are in Colorado Springs. 
Uh, we went and visited some shops in Arizona. We, I got the impression I got was, wow, this is replacing that traditional or evolving, I should say, that traditional trip to the ice cream shop that families, certainly my family took when I was a kid. And in uh, Florida, we had a chain called Carvel, which folks uh-huh. from the East Coast would be very familiar with. And that's that's my memory of going with my mom and dad to go get ice cream. But I remember vividly that at Carvel, you would pick the ice cream, but the guy behind the counter would put it in the cone or the cup for you. And then they were famous for their sprinkles. But but that person behind the counter controlled the amount of sprinkles. And I remember vividly imagining, <laughs> wow, if I had control over the sprinkles, I would add a heck of a lot more sprinkles than that. And so that's what the self-serve thing has done is it allows now the kid in particular to be in charge. So I knew that it was something that I believe appealed to families. It was going to certainly evolve that model for families to go and have a treat and have a great experience. We designed then purposefully the product, meaning the shop, the physical experience, to appeal to families. Everything from you know restroom being always clean to monitors displaying pictures to just a whole environment and simple things that we've evolved, like making sure we have enough high chairs, uh, making sure we have things to entertain the kids. So I think we, we saw that as initially were that product sold best, perhaps, and then we built it to satisfy that target customer. Okay. So it was more, uh, it was a process of observation. So sitting in the store and watching people come in. Uh, from a business standpoint, what were some other, uh, from a financial standpoint, what were some other reasons to choose mom with kids? Well, that's uh, the great one there is that's a, a great demographic that, um, looks to find opportunities, value opportunities to go and entertain their kids, reward their kids, spend quality family time together. It's a target market that usually doesn't come by themselves. So we have the opportunity to sell to two or three customers at a time as as opposed to an individual. So there's financial reasons behind it there. We, We know that the kids really love it because it's a candy experience under the guise of getting yogurt and the yogurt is right. good and it's all good. But, but we, we certainly like to be able to sell to four or five people at a time versus an individual. Right. Right. And I, I think I've told you this story before, but I'll tell our listeners the reason why I wanted to get in the frozen yogurt business, self-serve frozen yogurt is when my wife and I were dating in the early nineties, uh, we went to what was then one of the big chains, uh, that was not self-serve and we went in and my wife chose a particular flavor and asked for extra sprinkles. And uh, she said, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. And uh, so the, the person at the counter put extra sprinkles on it. And back then, if you remember, they weighed every right. yogurt cup that they gave you. So I think they were looking to figure out if the portion control was correct or not. And the manager came around and said, no, you're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm and took it and threw it away. And I, I've seen my wife mad a few times, but I have never seen her so mad mm-hmm. as she was at that particular moment. And that, that lesson to me impressed upon the fact that people do want to do it themselves. Right, right. So Dave, let me ask you that, that same question on how you identify the, the target market for your car wash business. How did you, did you figure that out up front or did you figure it out over time? Now, we had to figure it out over time. We really didn't know who our target. We figured anyone with a vehicle could have been our customer. 
So we look at the large market of vehicle drivers. And then over time, we start through observation, identifying people that come and why they come. So we've done surveys, done a couple surveys with our customers. We'll take a Saturday morning for three hours and give somebody a clipboard as they go through the car wash and get them to fill it out. And somebody at the end of the car wash picks it up for them and gives us a pretty good idea of what our customers like and what they don't like. But it's really through observation. And our business is unique, and we'll get into the, the exterior express car washing business and why it's unique. But there's not a tremendous amount of contact made with the customer as they're coming through the, the, the car wash. It's much different than a full-service car wash or a car wash that has a greeter that'll take your order where there's communication that takes place. So we have some other challenges that we have to deal with in our model. There's some trade-offs. There's some benefits for it, but there's also some trade-offs. One of the trade-offs is it can be challenging to get to know your customer and know why they come. Yeah, and, and you, you made a great point, and we've done this in all of our businesses, but certainly going back to the frozen yogurt business, we identified that as our target market up front, but then what we have done continuously is to validate that. You mentioned one way, surveys, observation, feedback, uh, all of those things. We're always constantly validating that that's our target market. When we've hired uh, consultants to help us with marketing, we've had them go through that process. So we feel pretty comfortable after now four years that that, in fact, is our target market. That doesn't mean it won't change, so you have to continuously look at that. But that is, for those listeners out there who might be challenged with figuring that out, or who might still be approaching their business as we are trying to be everything to everybody. And I'm not saying there aren't businesses where that might not work, but by and large, it's certainly in our experience, everything that we've read, people that we talk to, the more targeted you are, the more successful, your value proposition is going to be in resonating. Would you agree? Correct. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, definitely agree so with that. that's part of the plan. That's, I think, where you start in putting together a plan if you're an existing business owner and have been trudging along like we've done before as well, and you don't have any kind of a plan. That's where I would start is targeting, the, defining who is that target market. And we've read and learned a lot that will tell you, you have to be very specific about that. You have to be able to describe that person, that ideal customer, that avatar. There's different terms that are used for it down to what they look like, where they shop, what they're not just their median income, but much more than that. So almost like it's it's someone you've, you've painted a picture of, a, a person you can imagine or envision. Uh, in your car wash business, you kind of have two ideal target customers, don't you? Yeah, we do. We do. We came up with two of them. One of them was moms with kids because we do see a lot of moms that come through with their kids in the back. And the reason why they like to do that is because they don't have to get their kids out. They don't have to deal with the, the hassle of getting everybody out of car seats and seats. They can keep everybody in. The kids like the car wash experience. I mean, it's exciting to see soap being thrown at you and cloth hitting the car and, um, it becomes a fun experience for them. So I've actually had people bring their kids and grandkids through, not because their car is dirty, because it's cheap entertainment. Right. It's a cheap 5 or $10 entertainment factor for them. So we identified mom with kids as one. And I think that demographic makes a lot of purchasing decisions. So it's it's a pretty, especially in the retail environment that we're in, it's a pretty safe demographic to identify. Yeah. The second the second one is we've got a lot of military bases here in Colorado Springs. And so there's a lot of young airmen and a, long, a lot of young Army 
soldiers who buy cars, and it's really the only asset that they own in many cases because they're living on base or they're living in apartments. And so their car is very important to them. It's a status symbol for many people. They they take a lot of pride in in how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of pride. They work on it. They they upgrade it. Uh, And so we identified young military uh, individuals as our other other uh, primary customer base. So, so that creates a challenge for a small business owner like you because you have two fairly distinct target markets. And so you have to be conscious of your messaging, your marketing, your uh, advertising tactics has to resonate with both. You you have two uh, styles, two tones almost that you're trying to satisfy. And that's a big challenge. Right, right. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And whether it makes a dip, we have a lot of other customers. We have a lot of businessmen. We have a lot of older people that don't like to get out and wash the car in the driveway anymore. So it's all over the map. And it's it's really, in some cases, it's hard to identify if these are truly our avatars or the particular customer base that we're focused on. But we know, for example, if we can appeal to moms, moms are very particular about things. They want to go to a safe environment with their kids. They want places to be clean. And if we can, uh, if we can deal with the mom and the kids and address their particular needs, we should be able to address most needs of, of other, other target demographics. And I think this is the, perhaps the trickiest area and where it's easy to make a mistake. And and I fall into this all the time. We, we've had this discussions about our self-serve frozen yogurt shops. We, we know that mom and the families are our target audience, but then we'll have conversations. Well, what about the teenagers and what about the high school kids? And it's not that we don't welcome them or want them, but what you can get very carried away with is it's, it's just not possible typically, at least we haven't found it, the people that we study, the people that we've read about would agree, that you have to be careful with trying to be everything to everybody. I know I've said that several times. So what this does when you define this, when you have this plan, and this is part of this plan, is you're always validating, testing something you're thinking about doing, something new, something you're thinking about introducing. The way I look at it is I always have this picture of if I showed this to that mom that is my target customer, what would she think? Not do I if I show that to my mom and my teenage customer and my single customer and my senior customer, that can get – how do you get that answer then, right? So that can be very confusing, and you can end up being all over the place with your messaging, and that's why it's so important to try to target it to one or two target ideal customers. Right, right. And a question I think you have to ask yourself is what type of customer would you like to have more of? Yes. So yes. as you look at your entire customer base, which ones do you want more of? And mom with kids is a great spending demographic, and there's four or five of them in tow, and it works well for us. So that's the reason why I think you're asking that question. And the second reason I think even more important is, as we talked about earlier and we talk about all the time, you can figure out what it is you don't want to right. do. So right. as you said, trying to be all things to all people is incredibly difficult, frustrating, and at the end, futile. So – what are you going to do? And then more importantly, what are you not going to do? And we face that all the time in our car wash business, uh, trying to communicate to our employees and try to communicate to our customers. This is what we do, but you know what? This is what we don't do. We're not going to, we're not, we don't provide a ton of extra services. It's not what our business model is. And in the long run, if we start pleasing all of our customers, we're going to end up pleasing nobody. That's right. 
So, so going back to this outline of this marketing plan, so we've touched on the key thing, which is defining your target market, that ideal customer or customers in, in very few cases, one or two target ideal customers. You define then a value proposition that appeals to that customer. So it's very specific to that customer. At our frozen yogurt shop, for example, I can boil it down very simply to we are in the business of helping moms and families create lasting memories by delivering consistently remarkable customer service. Right. So we, del so we deliver remarkable customer experiences so that families can create lasting memories. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Right. So there's two things there, right? So we want them to be able to create lasting memories. So we want the stories to be told five to 10 to 15 years from now of when the family went to iTopit and did this. And remember when we always went to iTopit, those are the, the, those are the stories that we're going to look forward to hearing many years from now mm -hmm. that people were grew up and the families grew up when the dad came back from being deployed overseas the first thing they wanted to do to celebrate was go to iTopit. Those are the stories we want to be able to hear. Uh, the second part of that that you brought up and we talked about in our marketing podcast is creating a remarkable customer experience, making the customer experience so good that people are willing to share that with others. That's right. Yep. So those are two two things that we're focused on as we identify that target market. Right. And everything that I've learned and read about uh, marketing speaks to that that it's not just your marketing encompasses everything part of marketing there's all there are all these weapons or methods that you have at your disposal to deploy and one of the great books that i've read about it from uh, j conrad levinson who who passed not too long ago he was considered one of the great marketers his book guerrilla marketing uh, has been around forever various versions of it a particular version that I recommend is the Guerrilla Marketing Remix, where he kind of summarizes all these different topics. But that's a great book. And, and one of the quotes from that that I like is he says, quote, the process of guerrilla marketing is relatively simple. Be aware of all the weapons of marketing available to you. Experiment with the ones that sound the best. Then commit to the marketing combination that works best, end quote. So we're going to get right. a little bit more into that because – Sometimes people, I think, get hung up on marketing being one or two things, but it's really all of it. And then you touched on it as we were talking about our our objective at, at our self-serve frozen yogurt shop, which is the experience is part of that marketing, right? Uh, Seth Godin right. is big on this, that he believes marketing should be built into the product, right? Um, I think it's not as easy as that, but but certainly I get that. So, yeah. so we talked about the target market, the value proposition. When you've got that defined in some sort of a plan, and again, this could just be back of the envelope, your notes, whatever, although I think it needs to be more than that if you really expect it to permeate your culture and your work environment. But then that tells you, start to tell you, well, where can I reach more of those people? You touched on that. We want to focus so that we can reach more of those people. So by knowing that my target market in our example here is moms and the family, I can then seek out places where I might be able to reach that target market with my value proposition so that it resonates with them. So where are moms shopping? Where are they reading? Where do they get uh, opinions? Where do they seek advice? That's what I'm going to look for. But, but because I have that target market defined, I can now focus my efforts and spend in the right places. And that's such an important 
idea and concept because the world wants you to advertise and market everywhere. And it's very difficult for you if you haven't done this type of work, if you haven't identified your target market, it's very difficult when the lady who's really nice calls you up and wants you to advertise on the side of buses right. or wants you to advertise on billboards or wants you to advertise in this magazine for a kid's hockey club. Right. Or uh, th That's the biggest challenge I have in my business is when I'm getting all these calls, you know, well, should I advertise? What do I think I'll get out of this? And if you've done a good job of your marketing plan, identified your target market, it helps you say no a lot easier. Absolutely. A, a perfect example. And, and as most small business owners, we get bombarded every day by people. And they have great pitches, and it sounds fantastic. Uh, but you're right. Most of those are – they're trying to get us to sell to the masses. And what we're saying, what we've learned, what we've read, what we've been taught is that if you target, if you focus – you're going to get a lot better results from your marketing efforts. And that's where we can compare and contrast between a large company who might have a large budget and who's going to do more of a scattershoot approach with their marketing versus a small business like us where we just don't have a lot of money to, to, uh, to advertise. We've got to be very focused in what we do. That's right. Exactly. So that leads then to where do we reach that market like we just talked about? What do we say to that market so that it resonates? What's the tone of our advertisement and our brand? So if we are continuing with this example of I'm reaching moms, well, my tone can't be uh, too sarcastic. It can't be hip. I can't try to be urban necessarily. Maybe those aren't great examples, but, but it need, the tone needs to be right. And sure. so that's yeah. what it drives as well by defining that target market it should then drive the tone of my advertisement, the words that I use, the graphics that I use. Everything then should be driven by what will resonate, what will get a response from that target market. So we are not going after the teens and the young college kids. That doesn't mean we don't welcome them and they come to our shops all the time. But we don't have, for example, an industrial design or or uh, Wi-Fi necessarily or or the things that might appear or the television station on sports. We are very specific about everything that represents our brand because that's the message we're communicating to our target market. Sure. Yeah, we've been to yogurt shops where the TV is on a sports channel and – I will tell you now, moms are not too happy when they walk into a place and want to have family time right. and the TV is on. And everybody's staring TV at the channel. TV. Yeah. yeah, and that's me That's because uh, all, the, all the dads are staring oh, at the like TV. It's like a magnet. It's amazing. My, my wife and I were – or I was commenting to my wife. She just listens to my tirades that it seems like more and more, at least in our market here in Dallas, restaurants, all types of restaurants now have TVs up in the dining room. And it, 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 huh. it drives me crazy. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's appealing to this generation that has to be entertained all the time. I, I don't know. Uh, and the sound will be turned down. Thank goodness for that. But it's even me, as much as I hate it, I can't help myself. It's like a magnet. My eyes go to it. And it's exactly to your point. If what we're trying to create is an environment where families create lasting memories, that's not everybody staring at the TV and not having conversation, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's true. a great example of where it doesn't fit. Um, yeah. Now, it, it might sound like we're getting off the topic of marketing, but the point is that all of that is marketing. 
Yeah. So as you build your shop, as you pick out your colors, as you pick out your design, those things have got to be thought about right. and implemented. The tone and feel of your website, your newsletter, whatever it is, however it is that you engage with your prospective customer, all of that has to be in line. A word that I love is congruency. Everything has to be congruent or it, it doesn't it doesn't feel real. People are going to read through that. And we've seen we've all seen that those examples of companies that try to market to us, but but we see through it very quickly. And and in case of moms as in particular, boy, they read through that phoniness really quickly, right? <laughs> I mean, because that's what they oh, do. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. They're they're running a household, most of them, and they're they've got limited budgets, some of them, and they're having to really make decisions of what's right for their family. And they're really good at deciphering and, and cutting through the BS that's out there. Right, right. And they're you know you get 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 in the shoes of a mom and understand the challenges and the frustrations that they're dealing with in terms of competing for time at the family level. It seems like families are the last ones to have any personal time together. So, um, you know, trying to get everybody together, trying to get people away from technology is a huge challenge. People's attention spans are actually decreasing instead of increasing. And so when moms do these events, they're doing them for specific reasons. They're not doing it to feed their kids. They're doing it because, they want to build memories. They want to interact with their kids. They want to have that focused one-on-one -on -one time. And so everything you do uh, from marketing, from how you lay out your shop to how your employees address and help those customers need to take those things into consideration. Yep. So the last two parts of this marketing plan are what are the methods I'm going to use so a method might be a direct mailer, it might be a television commercial, it might be a Facebook campaign. And then what is my budget? What are the dollars I have to spend on this so that I can plan? And that's another one we, we use. I, you went back to the example of getting called and bombarded every day with different ways to spend your money. Another way to help you say no is by having that budget planned out. Instead of being reactive or responding to the latest shiniest object, you've got some methodology to how you're going to go about spending that money. That doesn't mean you don't vary from that. That doesn't mean you don't change that. Plans are nothing but a, but a guideline or blueprint. But those are the next two steps. And that, that's easier said than done. We are challenged with that ourselves, David, and our business is deciding where to best spend that money. So when you start talking about methods you'll use, what are some techniques or tips you can give someone to determine because there are so many different methods. Oh my, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's so confusing. I mean, I, I'm at the hockey game here locally, the college hockey game, and I want to advertise on the side of the rink because they just like to see my name up there. I don't know if it's going to make any difference, <laughs> right. but that's what I would like to do. And, and how do you keep how do you prevent from falling into those types of traps versus really identifying methods that will be effective? That's a challenging one. I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. One is that I think you have to be careful that you understand the difference between brand advertisement and call to action or direct response type marketing. And there's a big difference there. And we can often, at, to your point, get easily sucked into brand advertisement, which is really, I want to tell everybody about how wonderful my logo is and how great my overall message in my company is but it doesn't, it doesn't create any call to action on the part of that customer. Large companies 
can afford to do that. Most of us in small business cannot. Now, it depends on the type of business, right? So, for example, you might argue that if I'm an attorney building a practice or a CPA building a practice, that name recognition and building a brand that speaks to integrity and recognition, that that has value. But, boy, I'll tell you, I'm sure that even those small business owners are challenged with spending that money and did, did it really drive any new clients, right? Um, but for most of us in small business, where we're looking for new customers to walk in the door or call us up or respond to an offer on our websites, we are needing to mostly invest in call-to-action advertisement and marketing. So that, that's one thing. That's the first part of the answer, and we'll talk about that. The second part of it is what I've always done when I'm going into a new business is I try to analyze and emulate others that might be doing it well. So I try to do research. If we go back to the frozen yogurt example, before we started our own, I researched those that I thought were doing it well in mine and in other markets, and I tried to see where are they spending their budget. So that's the two-part answer to get us started on this. So brand, if we talk about the need to be able to advertise or get brand awareness, why does Apple, why do the large companies want to develop a brand? Because they're trying to create that, uh, that higher level emotional connection to their brand that creates that cult following, if you will, that next level of affiliation with a brand that goes beyond product. And when you're at that level, that doesn't mean we're not trying to do some of that ourselves. I would love to say that I can, that I'm building a brand for our self-serve yogurt, self-serve frozen yogurt shops. Wow, easier said there. That when people hear our name, they immediately associate it with a great place to take their family. The reality is that to build that, to build that brand awareness takes lots of money, more money than I have more cash flow than I have. Therefore, as a small business owner, it's not that I wouldn't benefit from that, but brand building takes time and money that I don't have. Right. So I'm going to challenge you on one idea because we all, in every market that I've ever been in or lived in, there has always been the one guy or gal that has a single, I'm going to call it an appliance store, and spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on advertising on TV mm -hmm. and everybody knows this particular person and their, their shop. I'll give you an example here in Colorado Springs. We do have some attorneys that advertise pretty heavily on TV and it's, it's a one, you know, it's, it's, it's not a small uh, attorney practice. They typically specialize in injury claims but they put a tremendous amount of effort and money into advertising. Right. So are these the exceptions rather than the rule? What, what compels them to bite the bullet and spend the money? Well, but if you think about them, though, and, and you, you mentioned it's funny that you mentioned that because last week I drove into East Texas to go buy a new car, and I saw some billboards similar of attorneys, one particular attorney, he had like four billboards in a row, you know, that cost some money on Interstate 20, a major interstate highway. And he was also, but his, his were very specific. If you have, uh, because we're in oil country here. So if you have an oil field injury, call me. 
If you get injured, uh, I forget what the other example was, call me. So I would still argue that that is a type of direct response marketing, even though he's building his overall brand for his practice, which is he's very specifically saying, if you have one of these injuries, call me. I want you to call me. So I say that that is in that gray area of it's sure he's building a brand or the ones that you're talking about for his practice, but it is a call to action. If you fit in this niche, I want you to call me. Okay. Okay. And he's probably not afraid to spend the money because he's seeing the results. That's right. He's probably seeing more direct results than maybe we give him right. credit. And he's positioning himself. Another great book I, I've read on the topic is called Why Johnny Can't Brand. And it's by Bill Schley and Carl Nichols Jr. Yeah, it's a funny name, okay. a very easy read, a great book. But one of the quotes I have for this podcast from this book is the only number one that matters is being number one in the minds of our customers. So I think part of that comes into play. You can, in certain spaces, and I, I would argue that maybe that's what these attorneys continue with that example are doing, is they're putting out there in that market that they're number one if you get an injury, and particularly if you are, you know, injury for this type of injury, right? We're, we're number one. And so his argument in this book, Why Johnny Can't Brand, is about that, about defining where you are number one and positioning yourself there because – there is no other place but being number one. We, we've faced some of that with our self-serve frozen yogurt shops, right? Okay, Henry. So as we end all our podcasts, we're going to give some people some to-do lists or some things they can think about. So for marketing planning, what are the two or three things that you would recommend someone do who has a small business? The biggest number one thing for me is to be honest with yourself about whether you have clearly identified your target market, but uh, that that term in itself is really not great. The, the ideal customer, we talked about this throughout this podcast, can you envision, can you close your eyes and picture what that person looks like or what that business looks like if you're selling to businesses? Very clearly define it, exhaust that, really give that some time and further define it over time. But that's where you need to start. You need to have a very clear picture of who that is and where they uh, shop, what their habits are, where they go for information, where they go for advice. You need to know all of that about that particular target customer. Okay, good, good. And I would add two other things. I think from my perspective, being a small business owner who hasn't done a great job of marketing, two things you said which resonate with me is come up with a plan so spend time at the beginning of the year and the end of the year for next year. Start coming up with a marketing plan because that will put bumpers or put a fence around what it is you do and, more importantly, what you don't do. And also create a good value proposition. So really work on your value proposition statement. I think that's an opportunity for another podcast at another time to talk about how people create value propositions. Work on those two things and work on your target market. And I think those are good, good places to start. Fantastic. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes 
and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.